Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by Invoice to Go. I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the US, the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Today, we're talking with Leah Morris, an advertising copywriter turned advocate for women in the media industry, who founded Mavens, a digital publication that champions women in the creative industry. In this episode, Leah will discuss the issues women face today, how she launched an activist group during the COVID lockdown, and what she plans to do to help make the industry more fair and equal for everyone. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Leah, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. Thank you, Nat. How are you? Oh, good. How is Melbourne doing right now? Oh, it is what it is. It's yeah. It's been six months now. We're pretty used to it by now and we've all got our ways of getting through it. Yeah. You guys are still on lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep, stage four. You know, we have a lot of listeners from the U.S. though. Um, so a lot of people are either back in lockdown or, you know, choosing to lock down or that kind of thing. So you're not alone. So at least yeah. you've got that going. And, and right. we've got you on the podcast. Which and we've great. got you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so could share your story. Um, so, yeah. So we just want to know all about you. So how did you become who you are today? Who am I? It's a big question. <laughs> um, well, firstly, thank you for having me and Nat and Sylvie. It's so lovely to be here talking to you guys. Yeah. Um, my background is I'm a country girl, so I grew up near Wangaratta, um, which is a rural town in northeast Victoria, and it's actually where Victoria's state premier, Daniel Andrews, grew up as well. Oh, um, Yeah. <laughs> um, but being from a small town, um, I didn't always sort of see myself as having an exciting career, even though I was very academic and I sort of knew that I wanted to do something more. But there wasn't a whole lot of role models um, in my circle growing up just because um, every everyone, especially women, they all had very specific types of careers. So there was a lot of nurses and teachers and mm. real estate agents and those kinds of jobs that you get up in the country. And I just wanted to do something creative, but I never really knew that I could make money out of creativity and writing. And I just sort of accepted that for years. Were there a lot of stay-at-home moms in the small town, like my mom was a stay-at-home mom. In the states, there were tons of stay-at-home moms. Uh, like a lot of my generation, our moms stayed at home. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. And if, when I look back at my sort of, you know, um, class of high school year twelve, uh, I'd probably say maybe one in ten girls is a career girl now, and the rest of us are sort of um, either stay-at-home moms or, or working part-time jobs. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So it's hard because there's like no, no one to look up. To. I mean, th- you look up to them in different ways, of course, but as far as career wise, there's no one to look up to and say, okay, this is the path. Yeah. And it's also really hard to form ambitions because I mean, 
looking back at my CV when I lived in Wangaratta, I worked at a local bakery, I worked at a Chinese restaurant, and I even worked at a kiwi fruit farm, you know. <laughs> oh, but wow. that was not what I wanted to do. Well, yeah. kiwi fruit sounds pretty cool, though, actually. <laughs> did you get to keep free uh, fruit? <laughs> uh, yeah, we did get free fruit, yeah. Oh, that's a good incentive. <laughs> but it's it's hard work, you know. But um, it was actually a conversation with my high school art teacher that made me sort of pivot a little bit so I was, I was working as an usher mm-hmm. which is like a someone that takes tickets at um the local performing arts center and my art teacher came to see a show and she saw me at the door and she said Leah what are you still doing here go to Melbourne go to uni and um I just needed to hear that because after that I did a cert for in writing and editing at the local TAFE which was um which I sort of saw as a, a gateway to doing a bachelor of design arts in advertising and, and I went and I did that and then I did award school and then I did copy school and that's it's sort of like the advertising industry's premier short courses so yeah, that put me on yeah. a really linear trajectory. Just for the people who are um, listening from abroad, what is a TAFE? Like what was that? What does it equate to, do you think? Is it like a technical school or a pre-college? Yeah, kind of? okay. yeah, it's a community college. Okay, so you went from there in your small town or close to your small town all the way to Melbourne, which is the closest big city to you. Um, and then, you know, made your way through advertising school and all kinds of short courses afterwards. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And then my first, um, really good job was with a boutique creative agency called Shabadoo. And the creative director there was, um, a guy named Chris Taylor and he was a very experienced copywriter. So he sort of, um, gave me a really good foundation of knowledge and he's actually continued to provide mentorship to this day which is amazing awesome um yeah but going sort of forward to what I do now um after that I got a job at Big Red which is Australia's largest independent advertising agency mm-hmm. um where I worked on the Coles account for a couple of years and cut my teeth and now I'm working at HBK agency in Cremorne um which is uh really great I'm working on clients like Dulux and other sort of DIY brands. So for those yeah. of you listening from um, other countries, Coles is a, a big supermarket brand. It's one of the two major, two or three major supermarkets across Australia. And then what would Deluxe equate to? And like UK? Uh, or- Dulux, it's like a painting. British paints, yeah. Yeah. Made by British paints. Yeah. 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 So that'd be like a Sherwin-Williams like boutique in the U.S. United States, if yeah. you guys are listening from there. Gilux is a household name in the UK as well. So it sounds like you're working on some really exciting big brands. Yeah. Other agencies. Yeah. That so when did you start your side project? So um, my, it's called Mavens. Yeah. Um, it started off about six months ago and it was born as my ISO project. Okay. And now it's grown into more. It's grown into a, a social change initiative and it's got quite a strong collaborative element to it. Mm. And basically what it is, it's an independent digital publication to champion women in Australian advertising and media. Mm-hmm. So that includes increasing the visibility of female talent, um, making women feel confident and supported and just driving awareness about the equality issues with our male peers as well. Mm-hmm. So the idea is to keep the conversation around gender equality going yes. until equality is the new norm. Right. Yeah. So, so what's your main goal with Mavens and how are you like measuring your goals with it? Um, so I really want to see an equal balance of men and women at all levels of advertising and media Mm -hmm. in my lifetime. Yeah. So right now the split 
um, it's fairly even when it comes to the overall workforce. Women actually make up 56%, but female representation in agency leadership is only um, 27%. Mm. So Maven's goal is to see as many female agency founders, creative directors, thought leaders, business leads as there are male ones. And then Mm. I believe that will be instrumental in closing the gender pay gap, which is currently around 21% for media agencies and 25% for advertising agencies. So it can be hard to track. Yeah, we actually just uh, spoke with, this is funny that we're talking to you today because we recently spoke with um, someone who works on public policy in the States and she talks a lot about the gender pay gap, but then she also talked about how it doesn't stop there. She was talking about how like because of the domestic work and things like that, there's even more of a gap in compensation than we think. So I think it's a really important Mm. issue. Um, And I think, yeah, it's great that you were able to start this little little side project in ISO, which is actually a really cool big thing. How do you track like what the actual split is? Like how do you take action on something like this? I put a lot of thought into that because it is a really important question. Um, And it is also really hard to track, especially if you're just sort of like a little grassroots initiative that's just trying to, you know, make a difference in the big wide world. Um, So the first thing that that I've done in collaboration with um, a few other contributors is create a gender diversity study, which Mm -hmm. is, um, it's actually a survey and we've gotten, so far we've got over 250 respondents. The survey is still open. So we're hoping to get more. Um, But um, that's sort of gleaning some more specific information about the current landscape and how that's perceived by both men and women within the advertising and media community. So this will help us measure and track change in the future. So we can take those results, look at them, and then maybe run another one in three or five years and see how things are changing. Mm-hmm. So that's our goal in the world. But then as far as the organisation goes, I'd really love to grow our Instagram following mm-hmm. and our mailing list just so that we can use those channels to get our message out there. Oh, that sounds awesome. It's definitely something that we as the Female Founders Network can get behind and promote as well. Um, but can you just... I guess, like, shine some light on what have you found so far? What are the issues that women are (laughs) facing in the creative industry? (laughs) There's so many. So I guess I'll just try and narrow it down to the industry-specific ones rather than talking about the the wider issues facing women. But um, I was talking to Christine Isaac, who is a brilliant creative director who I interviewed recently for the Maven's blog, and Mm -hmm. she told me a really shocking story um, about a female creative she knew who'd worked in advertising in the 80s. And they created this amazing campaign for um, a big Aussie brand and it had won this really prestigious award, except when the award was called, it was credited to her male colleague who hadn't even touched the campaign. So that was really shocking for me to hear and really relatable as well because, um, you know, having someone else take credit for your work simply because of gender is really upsetting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's terrible. Um, but that was the 80s. Um, so that was actually 40 years ago, which is crazy when oh you my think God. about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, Macaulay yeah, Culkin um, actually posted something the other day and he's like, do you guys want to feel old? I'm 40. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> yep. No. Um, but, yeah, women, I think to this day women are still really underrepresented and underappreciated when it comes to our work in the creative industries. Um, we make up about 23% of the creative departments in an Australian advertising agency, so mm-hmm. that's quite a minority. And I think there 
it's not as visible because some agencies get around it. They sort of appoint women in high visibility roles only or by having a large ratio of female staff. Mm-hmm. Like we do have plenty of women in the industry. They're just not in the C-suite. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think it's starting to change. And there was a – I want to share this story because this made a real difference for me and it mm-hmm. was a PR photo from an ad agency called Leo Burnett, mm-hmm. uh, very well-known. Yes. Um, brilliant agency and they were announcing their new creative hires and it was back in 2015 so the PR photo showed seven really homogenous looking dudes and they were all dressed in dark shirts um, Mm -hmm. and jeans and t-shirts and trendy sneakers and it was posted on an industry news site as PR photos are Mm -hmm. Um, and then it was retweeted by Cindy Gallup (laughs) so I'm a massive fan of Cindy She's hilarious, yeah. I've I've not heard of her. Sorry, tell me more. Who's Cindy Gallup? Oh, we're going to have a separate side chat after this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She used to head up Bartle Bogle Hegarty, which is an incredible um, London advertising agency. And I think she was responsible for taking their agency global and opening their Singapore office, I think it was. Yeah, okay. Um, But she's more, she's, these days she's a, a thinker and she's an equality activist. So she does a lot of public speaking and has some very um, innovative uh, views on mm-hmm. equality, especially in advertising and media. So she she took that PR photo from Leo Burnett and she retweeted it with a caption saying, Leo Burnett, what the fuck are you thinking? And it was viral. <laughs> I just want to interject really quickly just for those listening in the States as well, just to, so that we can compare the numbers. So it's I just found an article by CNBC while you were talking just to see if the ratios are similar to what you're talking about in Australia. Mm. And it's says, let's see, there are far fewer women at the top of advertising agencies than there are men, and there's still a pay disparity. 56% of junior staff are female, 40, 44% are male. Let's see, 73% of the top of agencies are male. Wow. So, same. Yeah, yeah, so like it's, you can yeah. get into advertising, but it's really hard to to kind of, it seems from the, from the numbers, and this is just one article, but it seems from the numbers that it's harder for women to be promoted. Yeah. So is it, is, so were the guys that started at Leo Burnett, were they all like senior people? Yeah, they were creative hires. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Okay. They might've been from multiple levels, but they would have probably been mid-weight to senior creatives. Yeah. But they all look the same. They all looked exactly the same. We had a woman um, on here, um, just a few, Nikita Pope is her name, and she mm-hmm. runs an ad agent, or sorry, a branding agency in Atlanta, Georgia, and she has a really beautiful, um, beautiful sentiment about diversity of thought, and if everyone mm-hmm. looks the same and has the same kind of experience on your board, then how boring are your solutions? Will your solutions be mm-hmm. as a creative team? So she, she said, yeah. So yeah, I think the issues that you're bringing up and that you're working to kind of fix at Mavens are super important. Thanks, Nat. Yeah, I of hope course. So. Yes. Yeah. And I definitely agree with um, that standpoint in terms of diversity. I think Without it, you can't innovate. 
diversity is what drives innovation. It's what clients are paying us to do every day. And if, you know, it it, it does make things interesting and because variety is the spice of life. So I love finding out what makes different people tick and I think homogenous groups of people are pretty boring. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And vibrant personalities and cultures and outlooks is what makes me want to get out you know, every day and go to work and be creative. Yeah. But it's, um, I think, and this applies to anyone that creates ads or any kind of content as well. Like you said, now our audiences are diverse and we need to connect with them in a genuine way. So this yeah. means that we need to be conscious of the lens that is over the work that we're creating. So by lens, I mean um, the white middle-class male that's making up 75% of you know, the advertising agencies in the US or Mm -hmm. similar in Australia. But that's the default. So why not brief the work to a a woman who grew up in regional Victoria with two parents on the pension? That's me. Yeah. Um, My lens is going to be different to his. Or you could brief the work to a gay Vietnamese Australian and ask him what he thinks or uh, an Indigenous Australian creative or a 65-year-old female creative who's worked at agencies in London and New York or someone with a disability who who also happens to have um, bucket loads of talent, you know, and and a brilliant, unique view of the world. So suddenly the work becomes much more interesting. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, it's very, very true. Like there are very few products out there who can just have one point of view and become as rich as they would be Mm. when they incorporated Mm. several points of view. Um, So you mentioned earlier that part of your goal is to help close the gender pay gap. So um, we've had a lot of people talk about the gender pay gap in the past, actually, on the show. Some people even cite, you know, a glass ceiling as a reason for going out on their own Mm. and starting businesses. Um, Can you tell us about the gender pay gap as you understand it as a creative in Australia, uh, what the current state of the gender pay gap is and why it exists? Sure. Um, so the gender pay gap measures the difference between the average earnings of women and men and the average earnings of men in the workforce. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people can confuse it with um, equal pay. So unequal or equal pay is when a man and a woman are paid differently for doing the same job, which is in Australia that's illegal. Right. Um, yeah. So that's not the same thing. Yeah. That's gender, illegal gender here. Gender pay, pay gap. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That is not, I didn't know that. That is not illegal in the States. Well, it's discrimination. I think it's part of the Sex Discrimination Act. Right. So wow. if you were to take, yeah, two two people doing the same job, one male, one female, and you were to blatantly pay the woman less, then that's discrimination. <laughs> well, yeah, that happens illegal. all the time in the States and nothing happens. <laughs> wow, no, that's crazy. Right. So that, that was my not understanding right. of the gender pay gap, but that's actually unequal pay. That is unequal pay. Yeah, right. okay. that's right. Okay. Interesting. Pay. I think that the, the two terms, though, people use them interchangeably mm. across the states. They do. Yeah, okay. Um, but it can the pay gap can be measured nationally or it can be it can also be measured by specific industries. So it's the things that cause the pay gap, there's a whole massive kind of um, number of different variables. So mm. it could be um, lack of workplace flexi- flexibility, mm-hmm. um, it can it can be gender bias, which is the big one. Yeah. Um, but it can be um, you know, unpaid care commitments affecting women's ability to um, move up in the workplace and, and earn the higher salaries, which then sort of average everything out. So, right. yeah, it, it's a very complex sort of topic, <laughs> but it's very important nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And according to um, 
WGEA, which is Australia's workplace gender equality agency, our national pay gap here in Australia is 14%. But I actually don't think that figure reflects advertising and media very well. I think it's higher in advertising and media. Mm -hmm. And firstly, I worked this out, (laughs) gone down a rabbit hole Mm -hmm. to get to this um, opinion. But firstly, WGEA only surveys people working in organisations of 100 or more employees Mm -hmm. and they only survey full-timers. So actually women um, working part-time is one of the pay gap causes um, because if you work part uh, part-time your annual salary is going to be lower and therefore you're going to bring down the average salary of women yeah. everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I think the studies need to be broader and they need to include part-timers and freelancers, which you get a, a lot of in the creative industries, mm-hmm. and also small business owners and their employees as well, mm-hmm. which you're not going to survey if you're only surveying organisations of 100 or more. Yes. So. <laughs> wow. Um, so that is a layered response. <laughs> that, it, it is very layered. Yeah, yeah. It's been a journey. <laughs> yeah, it has been a journey. You've thought a lot about this. Yeah. So for me, I think a better source on the gender pay gap in Australia is an interesting report from last year called The State of Diversity and Inclusion mm-hmm. in Australian Marketing Communications from B&T and Honeycomb. And that surveyed 621 people working in brand media, Um, marketing, technology and um, supporting agency roles as well. And this study placed the pay gap between 21% for media agencies and 25% for advertising agencies. 25%. Double double the national pay gap. Yeah. Yeah. I have a personal story. I'll just interject. I was, when I was young. Yeah. When I was uh, much younger and I was working at an agency, um, I was working late one night. We were putting a pitch together and Mm. I was working with a male colleague of mine and he had about three, four years of experience. Um, I wouldn't, more than I did at the time, um, I wouldn't say that his work ethic was awesome. (laughs) I would say that, you know, we, I, you know, the other um, members of the team and I ended up doing a lot more of the work um, as far as getting things done and that kind of thing. So, uh, but this individual and I were responsible for putting the pitch together. You know, we'd both been kind of working our bums off on it. And he goes, he was, you know, kind of pissed off that he had to stay late again. And he said, oh, I don't make enough for this crap. You know, I only make X. And the number that he shouted out was almost double my salary. (laughs) And I, (laughs) I remember at that time I was like, oh, okay. And the next day I was like, all right, well, I'm looking for a new job. And I, it's enough. Like they lost my talent. They lost my talent immediately. I found another job very quickly and I got a significant pay bump. And from that day on, I was like woke about it every single, I would do all of my research and negotiate beforehand. Um, but I just, I lost respect for that agency. Like even if I had gone to my boss Mm. and said, Hey, can you match this? I lost respect because they had been taking advantage of me, Mm. you know? And, um, it's just, it's a massive problem and it's something that you wouldn't want to do anyway because why would you want to lose talent over something like this? Why would you not want to pay someone yeah. what they're worth? And I think that was just like a business thing in general. Like don't try and scrimp on salaries for staff when you've got genuinely talented people. You yeah. should be doing everything you can to keep and reward them and make yeah. them feel motivated. Especially not mm. based on their gender or race or but. something like that. That's so silly in this day and age. It doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. 
That story gives me chills. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so unjust. Oh, oh don't oh. you worry. I did some work for their competitors and everything else. It's okay. <laughs> well, they say success is the best revenge, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> it definitely was. So there's all these different reasons for why the pay gap happens. And many of them are kind of based on lifestyle as well, I guess, if women... Like having more of the burden of childcare, for example, I'm guessing. Mm. So, how do you even begin to like bridge the pay gap? I think there's a common approach to the problem of the pay gap, which is to change women to make us able to thrive in workplaces by behaving more more like men and I think that's absolutely not the right way to go about it I think the best way to bridge the pay gap is not to change women it's to change our social constructs and then extend that to the workplace so Mm -hmm. by this I mean our business models that we use across all industries they're really outdated like they contain all these systems that were purpose-built for men because men traditionally were the ones working in offices and and all the other kinds of um, workplace environments that we that women now work in today Mm. so that's one of the reasons why I think women still sort of struggle to get ahead because there's hidden systems within those systems that are holding them back so for example these models reward uh, reward certain types of behavior like risk-taking aggressive negotiation Mm. and and that sort of thing so typically they're associated with men and not Mm. women um well, they're conditioned in, in men and not women. And I say conditioned because I think women can be, I actually do think women can be equally aggressive or assertive if we want to be. I just don't think that we should have to be. Right, okay. So you've got, yeah, so you've got boys, you know, who are encouraged to develop these rewarded behaviours in the playground when they're growing up, like assertiveness, but then girls aren't given the same message um, when we display these types of behaviour. We're told not to be bossy. You know, yeah. you'd, you'd never say bossy to a boy. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> we actually are, just published an article recently and it is um, how you might be undermining yourself with language. But we did a bunch mm. of research and we talked to a lot of women leaders um, in order to create the article and kind of put these tips together. And it was talking about all of our cultural conditioning. And it's not just Australia or the US or the UK. It's all of them. It's everywhere. Mm. So many, you know, especially millennial, you know, I'm, I'm an older millennial. Mm. Um, and definitely in my generation, I remember my mother calling me bossy and selfish all the time. Don't be selfish. Don't be bossy. Don't be selfish. Like they were the two worst things you could possibly be as a girl, you know, (laughs) and it's hard because you have to either get over that and learn how to become assertive and direct. Um, or like you're saying, maybe those are two qualities that we don't need need to, um, you know, or like we don't need women to become like quote unquote men or change their personalities or whatever. We need to change our idea of what a leader looks like. Mm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, agreeableness, which is supposedly our weakness as women, that can actually be a sign of emotional intelligence, which is a really strong leadership quality. So, an emotionally intelligent manager can inspire loyalty and motivate their team in a way that might increase the productivity and improve staff retention. Mm -hmm. You know, if your boss, Nat, had a 
had some emotional intelligence, they probably wouldn't have underpaid you and ended up losing your talent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Say so, um, to Sylvie's earlier point about language, mm-hmm. um, for me, one of the biggest manifestations of um, agreeableness and, and how I sort of expressed that with language was apologising. Yes. So I used to apologise all the time. I, yes. It was conditioned in me somehow. It's quite subconscious. And I can't remember who called me out on it, but I wish I could because I would actually send them a gift because I don't <laughs> do it now <laughs> unless I'm actually at fault. And yeah. that's been really freeing because apologising puts you or used to put me in a position of vulnerability that I didn't necessarily need to be in. Yes. Like, oh, sorry, can I just interrupt? Yeah. (laughs) I still struggle with it. I mean, I lead a freaking team (laughs) and a global team, you know, and it's like you're in your mid-30s, you're leading a team, you've worked your butt off to get here, like, and you're still at a leadership table and you, you've got to say something and you're like, oh, so sorry. Can I just, and then you're, why mm. am I apologizing for sharing my expertise? Yeah. <laughs> there's exactly. also, and there's an interesting perspective. I don't know what you guys think of this, um, but that you shouldn't apologize for being late. You should thank people for their patience and waiting for you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love that. Because Very life glamorous. happens and therefore you can't apologize for stuff that happens, you know, if you're like stuck in a traffic jam kind of thing. Um, but I think that's a, it that's depends right. on the situation because if you're being tardy, then it is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't know that. There's a thin line between <laughs> politeness and undercutting yourself, right? Yeah. So this is all amazing with Mavens and as the Female Founders Network really wants to support you and like push this out and get as many people to do the gender diversity study as possible. Um, but what's also amazing about you is that you're actually working a full-time job alongside Mavens. So do you actually have any tips for anyone um, that's listening on how you find the time to have this amazing side project to your full-time job? Well, I suppose everyone has their individual ways of trying to fit 48 hours in a 24-hour period. But for <laughs> <Yep>. me, <laughs> um, it's, it really comes down to planning, I think, and efficiency. So I've had to learn in in my role as a copywriter, I've had to learn to be efficient because advertising deadlines can be really, really demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think it's just a matter of setting myself a really clear brief of what I need to achieve and then allocating a time slot to do it. And then once you have those two things, you can just use the time as efficiently as possible. Yeah. So that's the way I sort of see it. But then my dad had a really different way of looking at things. He was a bit of a hippie and he used to say, what can we not do next? And he would sort of ask himself that question or ask us that question when we were rushing around and and acting a bit manic because he was worried that all the rushing was burning us out and that we would become less productive in the long run. So, yeah, it's it's a very zen philosophy and I've sort of tried to take it on board and I I practice Tai Chi now and try to force myself to slow down sometimes just so that I can give myself the space to be creative as well. Oh, I love that. I've never what tried Tai Chi. Yeah. What can we not do? <laughs> I guess another kind of business tip from this is like, what are you currently doing to promote Mavens and get the message out there for this? Well, I'm first of all, I'm going on this amazing podcast I don't know if you've heard of it, called the Female Founders. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us your heart. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, Thank you. No, my, my comms are 100% digital at the moment. So I think now is a really good time to be leveraging digital channels. Firstly, because not all brands are advertising because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So you can get really good cut through. But second of all, because people are at home consuming heaps of content, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's on their phones. And so I've been growing our Instagram following and just collaborating on articles and interviews with really talented women in my network. And I'm hoping to launch our first email newsletter next month. Awesome. Oh, wow. oh my God, that's so good. It's so true about the ads and um, and the content side of things. I completely agree with that. We've had so many great ISO projects, like businesses born in yeah. ISO or organizations mm. born in ISO. We just had um, one of our first episodes was Alessia Venudo. She's an American that lives mm. um, in Bondi Beach, and she started a fashion company all because of ISO. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So, I love that. Yeah. So really. So, cool. so I'm a marketer as well. And this is a, a, a question that I always wonder. Mm. You're a copywriter, writing expert. So as a final tip, could you share any copywriting tips for ads that help those ads to convert customers or leads? Because I know that there's probably many people out there who are wanting to you know, improve their ads and optimize what they're putting out. And I think ad copywriting and, and the, the right caption is actually something that can really get people over the line. Um, so I'd love mm, to hear your absolutely. tips on copywriting. Yeah, <laughs> That's a great question. I think my number one with any ad, digital or otherwise, is just to be single-minded because it's very tempting when you're a marketer and you've got a great product and you want to talk about it. It's very tempting to stack on the messaging, which I call a burger with the lot. Okay. You know, work out the one compelling thing that you want to say and then just say it well. So whether that's making okay. it funny or punny or um, very um, hard hitting, punchy, whatever your top brand tone of voice is, just say that one thing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is, um, it's particularly important for digital ads, I think, because people are scrolling. So they're on the phone. They're on their phone. They're probably watching TV as well. I think in the last um, census study that was done in Australia, people um, usually have an average of, I think it was two or three devices on at the same time. So people will be yeah. multitasking with their devices and they're not paying a lot of attention to your ad. Mm. So when you're single-minded, that's going to help you stick in their mind and be more memorable. Mm-hmm. So be thumb stopping, you know, make sure that you do something to catch their eye in the feed and mm-hmm. video is really good for that. And also be channel appropriate. So if you want to write an essay, don't put it on a Facebook post. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Put it on your blog. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and use Instagram to inspire, not to hard sell a product because that's what Facebook carousels and, and shoppable ads and that sort of thing are for. Yeah. Okay. And and also CTAs. So you know all about this as a as a marketer. So will be you know CTAs are your call to action. So what do you want people to do when they see the ad? If you don't tell them what to do, your ad won't convert. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So that's like shop now, read more. Yeah. Oh, Leah, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, if anyone is listening and wants to take part in your gender diversity study for Mavens and see more about Mavens and read the articles, where can they find you? Thank, thank you both. It's been such a pleasure. <laughs> um, if you would like to follow us on Instagram, that would be amazing. Our handle is 
at Maven's Oz, underscore Oz, sorry, at Maven's Oz. And if you do work in advertising or media, there's a survey link in our bio and it would really help our cause if you can participate. Otherwise, you can subscribe to our mailing list at www.themavens.com.au. Beautiful. And if, so that survey on media and advertising professionals, is that global or is it just Australia? Um, it is for Australia. For but if Australia. you have worked in Australia, yeah. If you've worked okay. in Australia, we'd love to hear from you as well. Okay. Do you have plans to do a global survey in the future or are you just focusing on your market right now? It's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> just, I know we get would, listeners from all over, so. I would love to hear from you if, if you are from overseas and you have had an experience that you think will um, be interesting to share with Ma- through Mavens. For okay. example, we do um, a lot of collaborative interviews um, and um, feature articles on the Mavens website. So if you've got a story or a project that you're working on that you'd like to share with um, the Australian advertising and media community, perhaps we could work together on a, an, a on a piece. Beautiful. But, um, I, I would I would love to do a global survey. It's just not on the cards right now. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, then yeah. you've got to worry about conversions and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but I would still love to collaborate with you if you're overseas. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much, Leah. We'll chat soon. Thank you, Sylvie. Thanks, Nat. This podcast was brought to you by Invoice to Go. We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. We're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current U.S. pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just enter the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.